current economic conditions and the retail hospitality industry. Let's go to the bench. Legal news, information, and interviews from the South Carolina defense law firm, Collins & Lacey. Offering defense for construction, trucking, retail hospitality, professional liability, and more. The views expressed by guests are not necessarily that of the law firm, its management, or employees. This is The Legal Bench. And welcome to The Legal Bench. I'm Michael Burney, Director of Business Development at the Collins & Lacey Defense Litigation Firm for South Carolina. What follows is the second episode in a series recorded at the 2023 South Carolina Restaurant and Hospitality Association Conference in Greenville, South Carolina. Our firm's Retail and Hospitality Chair and Firm President, Christian Stegmar, speaks with Professor Scott Smith of the University of South Carolina School of Hospitality and Tourism Management. Again, we're at the Marketing and Operators Conference for the South Carolina Restaurant and Lodging Association up here in Greenville, and we have the great pleasure of having uh, Professor Scott Smith of the University of South Carolina with us, uh, and he's a member of the faculty at the School of Hospitality and Tourism Management, uh, which is inside the College of Hospitality, Retail, and Sport Management. Uh, Professor Smith, thank you so much for coming. Well, I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. This is a great conference, and we had a, a great speaker this morning, and um, looking forward to giving my presentation this afternoon. So what are you, what are, what are you going to be talking about? Well, the, the name of my lecture is uh, Interesting Times in the South Carolina Restaurant and Lodging Association. And um, there's a lot of external forces in the outwork in the market out there that, uh, that make these interesting times. And I, I kind of got the title from um, um, lectures I've done in the past. And, it's, and there's a, a legend of a Chinese curse that always says, may you live in interesting times. Um, and it sounds like a blessing, but it's actually a curse because it, it's basically saying there's so many things going on. It's confusing. And uh, I, think, I think we are living in interesting times, not only, um, you know, in, in the state, but obviously there's a lot of forces at work right now around the world. And so um, it's, it definitely is interesting times. So when we're talking about South Carolina and we're talking about hospitality, um, how would you gauge or characterize the current climate? Well, there's a lot of economic conditions right now that are, that are both good and bad. And, uh, you know, obviously everyone's very nervous about the economy and, and watching it closely now. There's uh, a lot of pulling back on financing of new projects. And so um, that could be seen as a negative if you're trying to be in the growth mode, but it would also be a positive. If you're an existing lodging operator and you've got a good product and a good hotel, um, that just means that you know the demand will probably outpace the supply in the next two or three years. And so this is a, a great time. If you're uh, a good hotel in a good market, you can certainly... Um, you know, benefit from the fact there'll be less hotel rooms coming online in the next couple of years. So that's one of those um, those issues. The other, of course, and everyone's always talking about, and there's a big, big uh, topic here at the, the conference is, you know, labor. Where do we find our folks? How do we keep our, our, our good employees? And uh, that's not just the, the lodging industry, and that's not just in South Carolina. That's That's everywhere in the United States right now. And so um, I think we're gonna we're gonna need to look 
at different ways in which we, we hire people and we retain people in order to, uh, to just keep the doors open and, and compete. So you just hit something on the, uh, the nail on the head talking to a lot of folks today just having passing conversations they keep coming back to labor um you know you're looking at the industry on a day day in day out basis with a critical eye what are some ideas that you have uh, maybe not solving the crisis as it relates to labor but at least mitigating it uh we have a lot of clients especially at the coast who are um operating very large properties um on the hotel side and I talk with our clients on a consistent basis and that's a constant struggle they have uh, and they need to keep the doors open. Uh, what are some ideas you have about trying to fix or at least mitigate the labor issue? Well, you know, before I go into that, I just want to kind of take our industry to task and, and there's no bigger um, fan or supporter of the, the industry than I am. I, I grew up in the industry. And I think we do ourselves a real disservice. Um, COVID, you know, certainly hurt everybody, um, but it, it particularly um, did a number on the, the hospitality and tourism industry in that I think we were, we probably did ourselves a disservice in not treating our, our employees the way that other industries did. We were the first to lay people off. Um, good, loyal employees that had been with us 5, 10, 15 years, um, we just basically said, you know, we're sorry, we don't have a job for you. And they, they went out and they found other jobs. And lo and behold, um, they haven't returned uh, anywhere near what we need them to do. And so whenever you have a large turnover like that, and there are some large companies I've worked for before, you lose that culture because if you know anything about organizational cultures, there's always, even as people are coming and going, there's always that consistency there that the newcomers learn from kind of the the, the older employees. And now um, you you kind of separated that. And so there's a, there's a big disconnect in that way. And then um, we have to we have to get out again and find these excellent employees. And I always say. You know, that uh, study showed about 10% of the workforce out there are service-oriented people, that people you want to hire that, you know, are willing to, to take these jobs and, and, you know, be that face-to-face -face contact with the guests there and do an excellent job. And so we have to go out and we have to find them. And then we got to figure out how to keep them. And I think that, you know, everyone always tends to go towards pay, you know, pay them more, pay them more. Well, research shows that there's, you know, a diminishing return there where at a certain point you could pay them a dollar more and it's not going to um, help your retention or it's it's not going to improve employee satisfaction. So you've got to find other creative ways in order to meet those employee needs. And, and um, we were talking a little bit about, you know, employee housing, and I'm sure that over on the coast that is a, a that's the big bugabear that, that if you could overcome that, that you could have access to a lot of excellent employees. And so um, there's got to be some creative ways, I think, that especially over towards the, court, the coast where all the, the resort, you know, um, resorts are, that they're going to um, they're gonna have to come up with some creative ways in order to provide housing. And so um, I, I, I worked in the theme park industry uh, when I first got into hospitality. 
and I know that the theme parks down in Orlando are, are seeing this situation, and they're, they're actually creating employee housing, affordable employee housing for a, a lot of their, their employees, and I think that, that that might be a wave of the future. Um, that everyone needs to look at. And so that's just one of many things. But again, I want to reemphasize, you know, we have to pay our people fairly, but um, at some point it's, it's, it's more about the pay. Well, you make a good, interesting point. I've read about um, the, the notion of employee housing, not only in the hospitality sector, but um, education. Uh, you've got teachers making $45,000 a year and Affordable housing is a struggle, and so you've had school districts build housing for them. Um, I see down, especially in the low country, on Hilton Head, where you have a lot of hotels, a lot of restaurants, um, the folks that work in those hotels and restaurants, they don't live on Hilton Head Island. Uh, they're living in Jasper County, Hampton County, Allendale County, and they're riding a bus or driving in. Um, have you had... Any sort of conversations with operators, whether it's the low country or other where, where you've, where you're consulting with them, where you've broached the notion of, you know, we got to get paid the right place, but we've got to think about other strategies like housing. What's the appetite for that in South Carolina? Because it still seems to me kind of a novel concept here. Sure. And it's... Um, certainly, I talk about it everywhere I, I go, and we discuss this, and and there's some the people are open to it, but that's we're we're talking a huge investment, and um, it, you really have to be committed to making sure that you're going to make this program work, and that's why the larger companies are doing it right now because they have the capital to to go in and and build those you know those those housing uh, units there. But if you're a you know, middle-sized resort, then you've got limited amount of, of capital available. And so, and you know, in, in, in a resort, you're, you've got other needs. And so that's what you have to balance out. But it's we are getting to the tipping point, I think, where I don't want to certainly call it desperation, but it's it's got everyone's attention. And so I think, you know, and I'll, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about the, you know, the SCRLA here and why it's such a great organization is that you can, you can band together with people that, you know, are, you might consider to be a competition, but there's also times when you need to cooperate. And I think that um, many of these locations, if they were to band together as a group and maybe now you, you've got a concerted effort there. Not only um, you can spread out the cost, but the effort. Now we're, we're talking about um, getting something truly done there. Um, and I also do work with, with theme parks and Carowinds, uh, which is right up the road there. They've done an excellent job of uh, building new housing for you know the summer employees, and they, they were able to um, benefit from that because that's a, another place that needs an incredible amount of employees and they recognize that early on even before COVID and, and put their efforts into that and so that's the type of effort that that I think um, is needed and again you know if you band together with with other uh, organizations that are in the same area then then you can you can make things like that happen that's one of many things I mean housing is one of them you know healthcare, care um, education reimbursement you know if you talk to the the younger students now they're not worried about 401ks they're worried about student debt and some some forward-thinking companies are 
are saying, well, we'll we're going to help you with, with those. That's an added benefit, helping with you pay off your student debt and so forth. And so those are, and again, this is not my area, but those are just some creative things that I've seen out there that I think uh, we, have to, we have to break out of our old mindset and just say, well, pay them a dollar more. Well, that's, that's, that's not going to work anymore. Let's get serious about other benefits. That certainly that involves a lot of creative thinking, and um, I, I love hearing about all that. Let me, let me ask you this. You talked about some of the pressures that exist in hospitality right now, especially from a financial standpoint where the interest rates are where they are, and so capital is drying up or the access to capital is drying up, but it still exists in places. So if you were, a, if you were somebody that was allocating capital right now, um, where's the smart money going in hospitality? Wow, that's a great question. I I, uh, <laughs> I think about that a lot. I, I teach a, a graduate finance class in, in in the college there, and every year it seems like there's new topics, and that certainly seems to be one of the topics right now is, okay, you've got this great project. How do you finance it? And um, I think there's several things you need to, to look at, creative financing, of course, and, you know, different capital stacks and, and going to, to multiple sources. But, um, the, you know, the, the good news is that if you're able to get financing, I think that the, the, the marketplace right now is so competitive, it's, it, it'd be a great time to build, um, but it's, it's going to be hard to find. And so you have to, you know, it comes in ebbs and flows, and I can remember a time where you just, you just needed to put together a basic business plan, and they were more than willing to go out and, almost beg you to you know take their loans and we've kind of come to the other side of the equation now and so if you have a project out there i mean anybody that is is a smart lender is not going to turn away a good project so if you have a good location and a a good market with with great demand then it it doesn't matter how tight capital is right now you know everyone's going to take advantage of that so that my my advice would be to do your homework and make sure your numbers are solid and if you've got a a a surefire hit um be sure and present it that way and then you'll find financing may not be the favorable financing terms we've seen in the past but it's still if it makes financial sense there'll be people out there that will will sign off on those loans so let's shift gears a little bit and talk about something that I think from an academic standpoint is it has been interesting you of a late, um, and it's probably another stressor, at least on lodging, um, in the traditional sense, hotels, uh, that's Airbnb and similar other platforms. Uh, you know, you read the story of Airbnb and you read about Brian Chetsky and Joe Jebbia, those guys... They completely, um, you know, they, they completely change things as it relates to hospitality and lodging. And in many, many cities, including many cities in South Carolina, uh, while in South Carolina we might have been slow to accept, um, we're right there with everybody else now. There's an ebb and flow, and you and I were talking before we went on air about what's going on in New York City now, where they've essentially uh, legislated out uh, Airbnb um, from from all five boroughs. Um, talk about the current status, the current status of Airbnb, uh, where where it is as a company. Um, how does it continue to compete uh, with traditional hospitality, and and where do you think it might be going? 
Well, let me let me just start with a disclaimer and say that uh, you know I do do research regarding the lodging shared economy, which is Airbnb and VRBO and all those other companies. And sometimes people accuse me of being anti Airbnb, and I I certainly am not. I've used Airbnb in the past. Uh, it it suited my needs when I needed it, and I I had a, had very pleasant experience. But that being said, I've always said that. Um, especially being here at a lodging conference, we're talking about the, the South Carolina lodging industry, is that we need a level playing field. And that um, Airbnb was created to be one thing, and it kind of morphed and grew into something that is, is akin to the hotel industry, which is, which is, again, neither good nor bad, but we, we have to see a level playing field. And so my, my most recent research... Uh, was interesting in that we we went out and we looked at all the different uh, legislation around the United States with regards to the lodging shared economy and Airbnb and what we found was just a, a hodgepodge. It's a mess out there as far as not only are you getting a, a huge difference between states, how they legislate Airbnb, but just within the state um, and we were just talking about how um, you know, the lodging shared economy is different. Uh, the legislation and regulata- regulatory um, the restrictions are different for, from Charleston to Columbia to the upstate there. And it just really is a mess. And I, I actually feel a little bit sorry for anybody that would, operates an Airbnb because it, it's very confusing as to what regulations you need to be following. Um, and on top of that, we also talk about the taxation issues and that... Um, there are a lot of problems with making sure that uh, the the operators of the lodging shared economy are paying their fair share of taxes. And certainly, um, being a hotelier myself, I you know I can remember every month writing that you know that that large check you know for for the room tax or the lodging tax, and um, that is certainly money that um, I could have spent elsewhere. But uh, you know, I was paying my fair share, and it's it's a little bit. Uh, disquieting right now to know that there's probably people out there that are competing head-to-head with me and not having to do, um, not paying the taxes. In addition, um, you know, we follow all of these labor regulations for our employees and and health and safety regulations, and and we're held to a much higher standard where, um, you know, these lodging operators, I call them amateur lodging operators, are are not held to that same standard. And so that's, that's a little bit disquieting. Um, for many reasons, but uh, again, it, uh, I'm, I'm okay with people as, as being amateur innkeepers. I just want there to be a level playing field. You know, it's interesting. I was reading, uh, you know, obviously Bitcoin and all the crypto was so hot a couple of years ago. And I, re- I remember listening to an interview with uh, Ray da- Dalio, and he, and he said, listen, I'm not interested at all in crypto because it's it's competing with the reserve currency and anything that could be legislated out of existence by Congress tomorrow is nothing I want to invest in. And I feel that you said, you said something about uh, feeling sorry for some folks that operate in Airbnb because when you look at it from the original concept, it was an extra couch, an extra room. Uh, and now what you've got are companies, uh, you've got individuals who have borrowed a lot of money 
uh, who are essentially competing with hotels. Uh, we've gone along, we've gone a far field from the couches and extra rooms to where people are in direct competitions with hotels now. And, you know, two things. Number one, a lot of these folks, especially these amateur innkeepers you talk about, um, they're leveraged to the hilt. Um, and in, the, in this climate, especially of interest rates now, those folks have a lot of debt that they have to service. Um, and then the part two of this is, like you had said, um, the political slash legislative attitudes, they kind of ebb and flow. And you can go from one day to making a ton of money as an amateur innkeeper to the next day being legislated out of existence. And it just would seem to me at this point in time, it's a big bet that you're making and investing in those types of properties. Absolutely. And this actually ties back into something we were talking about earlier about a, a, affordable employee housing is that there's a direct connection between the um, number of people that have taken, you know, what would be apartments or condos off the market that would be available for, you know, long-term rental and turned them into Airbnbs. And so now, you know, you've restricted the supply even even more for people who, who, who need to rent from month to month. And so one of the unintended consequences might be as, as these, um, you know, if you own an Airbnb and you're, you're basically regulated out of the short-term rental market, you know, 30 days or less, is that you, you immediately need to go and, and go into long-term rental, whatever, uh, you know, be a six-month or a year contract. And now, all of a sudden, if this, this, these previous, you know, lodging shared economy or Airbnb units come on the market for for housing, now all of a sudden maybe the, the, the cost comes down a little bit. And so, you know, the, the unintended consequences are, are maybe we get some more affordable housing out there. And if I, you know, if I were uh, an owner and I were legislated out of, you know, the short-term rental market immediately, I'd turn mine into a rental. Yeah, and, you know, it's like anything else in society. A lot of folks don't consider or don't think about or don't contemplate those third and fourth and fifth order effects of things. And I think you've seen in New York City, especially when you start injecting public policy, I mean, there's just a straight-up housing shortage in New York City. And you and you can see that in places, too, that are close to home with us. Um, Columbia downtown has become very dense. Uh, Greenville, where we're at, right, is very dense. Uh, and Charleston, of course, on the peninsula is very dense. And it's becoming very, very expensive just to exist there. Um, like they've seen in New York City, I think same thing could potentially apply here. Elected officials who are going to be uh, subservient to their constituency, they're worried primarily about, can I afford to live here? And at the end of the day, public policy concerns are, of affordable housing is going to trump anybody's investment, I think ultimately, uh, in many, many places. So we'll have to see. Um, I don't see the situation in New York with Airbnb changing anytime soon. And I think, if anything, it's, it's probably becoming a template for other cities to follow. So we'll see. And, and as a result, the share price, if you're paying attention to the share price of an entity like Airbnb, uh, between that and access to capital, it's not as robust as it once was. So uh, you could, we could talk forever about that. It's, it's something that engages me. 
Uh, last thing I want to talk about is this, is that uh, a lot of folks don't recognize or don't maybe don't know, but the University of South Carolina, um, the College of Hospitality, Retail, and Sport Management, one of the 10 best programs in the country, especially on the hospitality side. You know, we're right there competing with uh, the, the hotel school at Cornell, Central Florida, um, the school in hospitality at the University of Houston. Uh, it's a great time to be at Carolina. Um, Talk a little bit about your experience there and, and, and talk a little bit, too, as well about the uh, caliber of students that are getting attracted uh, to coming to Carolina for undergraduate school. Well, well, thank you very much. Yes, uh, I'm, I'm a huge, uh, huge fan of the University of South Carolina so much that I um, picked up and moved my family up here, you know, over 10 years ago. I was, I'm a, a UCF grad, University of Central Florida right there in Orlando, the, the heart of the, you know, the theme parks and tourism. And um, I got my degrees from there and thought I would teach. And University of uh, South Carolina came along and hired me away. And the, the reason that they, they were able to attract me here was I saw the potential of not only um, the state, South Carolina, and, you know, just the, the beautiful beaches and the mountains and all the things that, you know, any, any tourism official w could wish for for a destination, but also the university itself and the program. And we do have, you know, like you say, a top 10 program out there. We have students from not only the state of South Carolina, but we have many students that, believe it or not, come from other states because of our reputation and our, our, our way of life here in South Carolina. And we, we truly are blessed. We have everything we need to, uh, to be a great state for tourism and hospitality. And so um, that's, like I say, I picked up and moved my family here. Um, wonderful students. Again, you know, it's, it's part of our job is pretty much like, uh, like the human resources director out there. We have to go out and find those students that are that are born for the industry and you know we always say we you know we 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 recruit for attitude and we'll train you for skills and so all this the, the all, danny meyer rule yes exactly yeah, i know right. I, I, I properly attribute that quote there but yes we you know we there there are some students out there um that are just born to be in our industry they love it they love people and we have to we have to scour the state to find them and once we do find them you know we give them the skills and they go out and be leaders in fact it was this morning i was just having breakfast and one of my former students you know gosh eight years ago uh, came up and just just talked about you know his 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 experience at university of south carolina he's doing quite well as an executive here um and uh he he attributes a lot of that to what he learned in the program there and so that's what i I say, and it's, you know, the other thing is we try to get the message for is that the university is for all the people out there in South Carolina, and there's, there's, we have all kinds of outreaches that are um, to the underserved communities, the urban communities out there where kids don't even know about um, this is a career choice, and we go out and we, we bring a lot of high schoolers in for our camps. Um, put them in the kitchen with some chefs, take them over to the hotel to take a tour, and they just, they just light up because, you know, they, they had a very limited, you know, view of what their, their career horizon would be, and we, we kind of expand that, and that's what we, we go out and we find those people and we bring them in. So we're, we, we, we like to think that we're a really good investment for the taxpayers of South Carolina because these are the future, you know, hotel managers or restaurant managers out there, and it keeps the straight... The, the state and the, the economy strong here.
That's awesome. Dr. Scott Smith, the University of South Carolina, thank you so much for joining us on The Legal Bench. It's my pleasure. Thank you. You've been listening to The Legal Bench from the South Carolina defense firm Collins & Lacey. Learn more at collinsandlacey.com.